This is an Equity Mates Media podcast. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Have a listen to this. Have a listen to this. Now, that kind of talk this week dragged Australia's share market to a two-year low. There are, of course, He was the big spender. The big spender. Doing the grocery shopping can take a huge chunk out of the family budget. And that's finance. Hello and welcome to Comedian vs. Economist. We demystify the world of money and help you get a handle on the bigger picture. My name's Adam and I'm joined as always by my little older brother and real life economist, Thomas. Hi, Thomas. Yeah, good, Adam. Very excited to be here. Oh, exciting. I tell you what, Thomas, we just ticked over 100,000 total downloads last week. Woo-hoo. Amazing. So thank you out there so much for tuning in. Uh, we really appreciate it and literally couldn't have done it without you. So special thanks to you guys. Special thanks also to the AI robot that I spun up in AWS just to <laughs> nudge those stats up. I didn't really. It's all you guys. Really appreciate it. Um, Thomas, you blew up social media channels last week with one of your charts. And look, I'm not saying that the charts you normally post are bad. I'm just saying you finally released a good one. So good on you. <laughs> Um, amazing, amazing chart. If you haven't seen it, head over to CVE Podcast on Facebook or Instagram. But the title of the chart, Thomas, if I could recap for a moment, what animal could you beat in a fight? And it listed men and women's ability to take on different types of animals. Um, it did. It did point out that you had to be unarmed, though, which was mm-hmm. an important condition. It's not. It's not ability. It's an opinion. So. How do you rate yourself against a house cat or how do you rate yourself <laughs> against a lion? Right. There's a list of animals. So right at the top, you've got grizzly bear, which 6% of women and 7% of men said they could beat a grizzly bear unarmed. <laughs> and right at the, the other end of the scale, there was a rat. Not very convincing. It's only 68% of women and 76% of men said that they could defeat a rat in unarmed hand-to-hand combat. So there's a lot of people living with rats, (laughs) if you go by those stats. Maybe they think it's Splinter. (laughs) My favourite animal was the elephant. Oh, yeah. So there's an elephant, which is three from the top, and and only 8% of women and 9% of men said that they could defeat an elephant in unarmed combat, which I reckon, even if you're Conor McGregor, you're not beating an elephant in a fight unarmed. Best case, you won't lose to the elephant because it will ignore you while you're kicking its shins. But you're not. No one's taking down an elephant unarmed. <laughs> no, it's hard to know what they're thinking there. Who even wants to attack an elephant? I know. <laughs> yeah, I know. As the if you would. scary animals like darlings. bears and lions and king cobras. Yeah, crocodile. Like a crocodile's probably attacking you. That's a reasonable yeah. thing to be thinking about. How do I? How do I take out a crocodile? <laughs> this this docile elephant wandering through the jungle. I mean, 
I jump on its back, see if I can take it down. So anyway, if you want to go and see the complete list and all the data, it really is worth a look. It's uh, it's some of your best work, Thomas, if I do say so myself. Yeah, shout out to the 26% of men who don't think they could beat a house cat in a fight. Uh, CVE podcast on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, go and give us a follow and you'll see that chart. It's a ripper. But Thomas, big week on the show. Lots to digest mm. and get through. This week, the government announced the end of QE2 and I ain't talking about the cruise ship. Uh, we're going to check in and see what the government's money printing machine is up to now. End of QE2, mm. starting QE3. I couldn't be more excited. Also, Iceland have trialled moving to a four-day work week. And believe it or not, they reckon it's amazing, something we should all be doing. There's been some bad news this week if you're investing in China, some big news happening over there. We'll take a look at what's going on in China. But first, Thomas, we called it last mm. week. Mm. There's an M&A boom afoot, mergers and acquisitions boom. Um, we talked about it on the show last week with um, the takeover of Sydney Airport. And just today, recording today on, on the 12th of July, uh, West Farmers have made an offer to buy API, which is uh, best known for their Priceline pharmacies. West Farmers, of course, who own Bunnings, Kmart, geeks to you which is going to be the, <laughs> the name of this show, actually, but I couldn't <laughs> infringe. Um, <laughs> lots of big brands. West Farmers, huge company. So what's going on there? They're taking over API, right? Or trying to. Yeah, yeah, that's they they put in a bid, and API have said so. Sydney Airport's last week saying like, no, we don't reckon shareholders should sell, and these guys are saying like, yeah, all right, if you want to buy, go for it. We're we're not going to get in the way of that, mm. um, but they are saying it. But we're if we get a better offer, we're we're going to take it. So yeah, open to open to selling. It seems right. There's also the Equity Mates guys are talking mergers and, and acquisitions this week as well, I think. So head over to their podcast, Equity Mates Investing Podcast. Uh, a couple of big, big stories over there are in, in the mergers and acquisition space as well. I, th- I, th- I think this is going to be the theme for the next six months. I think like we're, we're just we're already booming in terms of levels. Like it was a sort of like fifty percent up on on normal levels this year so far. Mm. And I reckon it's we just it's the thin end of the wedge right now. And I think mergers and acquisitions are going to be what, what it's all about over the next six months. Right. That's my my tip. That's your tip. That's hard to argue given where we're at. And you know we've seen such big acquisitions going on the last just the last week. So huge. Watch this space. Um, I did mention West Farmers owned Bunnings and Kmart. Mm. Both of those companies were listed in a Roy Morgan poll this week, Thomas. Mm-hmm. The most trusted brands in Australia. If I could just indulge you for a minute. The top 10, number one was Woolworths, number two was Coles, number three was Bunnings, four was Audi, five was Qantas, number six was Kmart, number seven was Apple, Number eight was Toyota. Number nine was the NRMA. And number 10 was the ABC. So the most trusted brands in Australia. What do you make of that? Uh, it seems highly correlated with usage. So it seems like, you know, Woolworths and Coles is one and two. They're the guys you're going to every day of the week. Mm. And all of those, they're, they're sort of household names. Like you, I think if you look at the, the other end of the spectrum of the least least trusted. Well, yeah, we've got, we've got a list of a few of the least trusted brands. So... Amazon, Rio Tinto, Huawei, who if you don't know what Huawei does, they're a, a Chinese malware manufacturer to the West. No, they make, they make <laughs> <laughs> accusations only, unfounded, of course. Crown Resorts, which, you know, I guess mm. if you don't like shady money dealings, then probably you're not into them either. Um, Uber, 
Twitter and TikTok made up the mm. some of the, the the least trusted brands. Yeah, yeah, interesting. So there's definitely a flavour to it. I mean, you know, if you look at the the most trusted brands, a lot of them are Australian companies, and then if you look at the least trusted brands, and this is in an Australian market, right? This was the poll, wasn't it? So the other ones very much sort of have an international flavour to it, mm. with the exception of Rio Tinto, who's I guess arguably digging up Australia, so um, maybe. <laughs> People prefer buying bread over digging giant holes in the ground. I don't know. So I don't know. It's interesting. I don't know what trust means in this context anyway. Like how do you trust? Mm. I don't know. You trust that when you buy some milk from Woolies, you're going to get it home and it's not going to be tomato soup in inside. <laughs> what, what are we talking about? Do we know what to, what we're talking about by when we say trust in this context? I don't think so. I think it's just a do you – the question is do you – what brands do you trust? Hmm. Do you trust this brand? How high, How much do you trust them I think is hmm. – it's, it's a sort of – yeah, it's, an in, it's subjective to the individual. I mean Toyota's, from what I understand, is one of the most reliable car brands. I guess if you're – That's the reputation, isn't it? It's a reputation. So is it a reputation for being solid? I mean, you know – I wouldn't trust a Toyota Prius to look after my children. <laughs> but uh, they're high maintenance, though. To be fair, your kids. Yeah, I need a Tesla. Yeah, <laughs> I need a smart car. If I'm gonna, if I'm gonna let a car babysit my kids, well, there you go. I mean, it's a it's a poll. You know, it's, mm. it's different things to different people. But yeah, interesting. Whether COVID's had something to do with that as well. Yeah, I mean, Woolworths and Coles would be very happy with that. It means that people are, are happy with the with what they're getting. I think like you, you, trust and and customership sort of go hand in hand. You you buy from brands you trust hmm. on any level, even if it's not really important. So, yeah, I think I think they'd be happy with those results for sure. All right, moving on. So we. The RBA came out this week. They've said it's the end of QE2. Uh, when we talk about QE, we're talking about quantitative easing, Thomas. Is that right? Mm-hmm. There's a word you've got in your lexicon <laughs> now. Oh, we didn't know that word six months ago when we started this podcast. Um, mm. So we're moving from QE2 to QE3. There's been a there's been a bit of, a bit of stuff in the news this week coming out of the RBA about what that means. Maybe if we could just start for those of us that maybe those of you out there who are joining us for the first time. Maybe you could just start mm. with a recap on what is QE, um, what does it mean, where, where are we at, how have we got here, and where are we going? Yeah, so go, go back to this, this sort of when COVID hit, markets crashed, everything started, everyone started freaking out. The first thing the RBA did was uh, drop interest rates to the floor, went as low as they can go currently, mm. sitting around 0.1%, and that's where they've, they've stayed since then. From that point on, there's nothing more monetary policy can do in, in the sense of cutting interest rates to stimulate the economy. And so we moved into the next phase after that, once rates are at their bottom, is then printing money and pumping money into the economy. Mm. And that's what we're talking about with quantitative easing. So we're easing the quantity of money in the economy, <laughs> effectively. Yep. Um, and that's what they did. So they started printing money and buying up government bonds and the money made its way into the economy via the public sector. Mm. So that, that was, that's what quantitative easing was. And they've been doing that at a, at a pace of $5 billion every week. Wow. So printing $5 billion worth of fresh money and pumping it into the economy. Just sticking it in the economy. I'm still yet to see any of it. Just putting that out there in case anyone from the RBA is listening. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if they send direct to households. <laughs> Just saying, if you're pumping five billion a week, who's going to notice? Just you know, a couple of hundred here and there. <laughs> Podcasts aren't cheap; they, they run themselves. Yeah. I'm just saying, putting it out there, Glenn. If you're listening, 
No, well, it was Glenn. It's it's Phil now. Oh. <laughs> well, there goes my money. <laughs> yeah, he hates you now. <laughs> He's off you. Yeah, so they're doing this and they want to get the economy pumping along. Yep. Um, and they came out last week and said, at the last board meeting, and said, look, you know, things are tracking pretty well. We're going to taper back. So taper is the term. So you're going to hear, hear this more and more. Mm. Um, and we're tapering back. Uh, how much money we're pumping into the economy. And as I said, $5 billion seems like it's a bit much. We're going to wind it back to four. Oh, it's a lot of money to any normal person, but... Oh, and it's still a lot of money. Like, you go back go back 18 months and say that the RBA was going to be printing $4 billion a week and pumping into the economy. Like, no one would have believed you. Right. But this is, this is where we're at right now. I was going to say, it's obviously working. Like, they're still doing it. They haven't sort of turned off the tap no 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 yeah i mean i think i think yeah thulo saying we're we're on track in in the statement saying like we're on track we're happy with how things Mm. are going but we still want to see you know we still need to see inflation print in the target band we still for that to happen we need to get wages up wages growth going between three and four percent they're currently like one percent 1.1 so still a way off that and we need and for that to for wages growth to happen we need to get unemployment down and keep it down at least somewhere somewhere in the mid fours probably is the sort of mark for that. But so that's that's the shift. The other thing is that they've moved to a state dependent program. So previously it was just running until November. They're saying we're going to print five billion a month mm. in November and then it's going to stop. So now they're saying we're winding it back to four, but we're not putting an end date on it now. I love it. I read the quote said mm. we updated our QE three forecast to a flexible, open-ended and state-dependent program. Thomas, Mm. is that just RBA speak for we're pretty much just winging it from here on out? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's really just saying we're just going to do this and see how it goes. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's econo speak for just going to see how it goes. I mean, that's how I run my household budget. I have done for many years. But I feel like this is more important than that. State-dependent. Well... Sorry, babe. The holidays state dependent. <laughs> what does that even mean, state dependent? Well, they're, they're waiting for the for the right states, so the right numbers in the economy. So it means that that in for inflation to be back in the target band. Right. So it's not if it's not if New South Wales does particularly well and South Australia <laughs> it's sucks. <a> state of <laughs> origin. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, yeah, no. They're, they're wanting to see. They're wanting to see actual results. So, so the interesting thing, thing Chris, Chris Joy noted this in the AFR, saying like. People are talking about it being a tapering. People are talking about winding back the massive spending program, something like $270 billion so far, like a huge amount of money. And people are talking about the RBA slowly winding it back. But because it's now open-ended, we could actually end up with a much bigger total print over the life cycle of the QE program that they're running, just at a slower pace week to week. But it could actually end up being much larger because it now just runs. It's a blank check. It's a blank check. Blank it's check. Like, yeah, we'll just keep printing forever. We haven't, we haven't, mm. gonna, haven't, haven't put a date on it. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. What, what does it mean for? Does it have any sort of bigger impacts on? I don't know things like currency or. Well, yeah, I mean, kind of one of the main reasons that they're doing this is that everyone else is doing it as well. And if the RBA is not, while the Fed and all the other central banks are printing, then the Aussie dollar appreciates pretty rapidly. And so they've got to, they're kind of a little bit in an arms race. They've got to keep printing so long as the rest of the world is printing because whoever stops first will see their currency appreciate and that sort of hurts your domestic economy. So they're a bit, bit stuck with that until the rest of the world slows down the money printers as well. Hmm. Yeah, but it, it means money's super cheap for longer. 
yeah, the Australian government's got you know a blank check to do whatever it wants in terms of spending. So you know because they're, they're buying government bonds, so that's that's the transmission mechanism. It comes through Canberra, it comes through uh, fiscal spending. Hmm. Yeah, so m- more of that. Yeah, I think we, we talked a little bit about the implications of that before, but yeah, probably good for infrastructure plays like buying an airport. Yeah, for example. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll tell you what, we might pause there. We'll go have a quick break, get a word from our sponsors and be right back after these messages. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome back. You're on Comedian versus Economist. Don't forget you can always send us an email, cve at equitymates.com. Or head over to the website, equitymates.com forward slash CVE. We very much like hearing from you. So send us an email or check out the socials, as we say, CVE podcast on Facebook and Instagram. But Thomas, now we're going to head over to China and some big news uh, this week. And in fact, since February, there is an ETF called Invesco Golden Dragon China ETF, which sounds a lot like a poking machine, to be honest. (laughs) I'm not surprised if I'm walking into the casino and I'm seeing a poker machine called the Golden Dragon. The Golden Dragon China ETF is dropped 10% this week. It's 30% down since February. And Mm. my understanding is that China is trying to crack down on Chinese companies, big tech firms in particular, listing in the United States. You know what's going on there? Yeah, I mean that. Yeah, that, I mean exactly that. So that that Golden Dragon ETF is for uh, Chinese companies that are listed on the in the American market. Right. Yeah, and that's yeah. Copped the wallop this week because China announced that it was going to start investigating a bunch of Chinese firms that were listing in America that were listed in America, and signaled that they were taking a, a bit of a dim view on on that, or they they were concerned about yeah that that listing and what that means. And I think it, I think it's kind of reasonable. My, my take on it, I think China, like, I think it, I think it's right. Once you sort of list in a in a foreign country and you raise raise capital in that country, then you become subject to the laws and regulations of that country to an extent. Mm. Um, and I think China is worried about what that might mean in terms of the the ability for the U.S. government to leverage some power over the Chinese companies and open up some strategic weaknesses over the Chinese government. Yeah, right. So it's kind of, is it the Chinese government sort of worried about losing control to a large extent? Is it about the influence that they can have over the companies if they start listing in foreign countries, then 
they lose that kind of oversight, that ability to manage the companies or? My, my sense is that it's more about data and about opening up windows into the Chinese companies and then into the Chinese state through the Chinese companies, hmm. more so than about control of the companies themselves. I think as long as they're Chinese companies, then, then China will have enough control over the companies to be happy. But I think it's about op- opening a window for the US government to come at China through these Chinese companies. And I think, like, you remember back to when Donald Trump banned TikTok or said that TikTok had to sell to, he wanted TikTok to sell to an American company if it wanted to keep operating in the, in the country. Mm. And the argument there was that TikTok was collecting all this data, was like really a data-hungry platform, mm. uh, and then, was, then the Chinese government, through their control of the TikTok company, had access to to all that data, all that American data and all that demographic data. And I think the American government was worried about that, saw that as a strategic weakness. Yeah, I mean, it's a bit it's a bit hypocritical, isn't it? I mean, the Facebooks of the world, you know, mm. they've got everyone's data. So it's okay if they've got all your data, but it's not okay if, if a Chinese company has the data. That's exactly it because, you know, we're moving to this era of strategic rivalry. So we were friends before. America and China were friends before, but Mm. the relationship was warming. They were seen seen as economic partners in a lot of things. That's now moving to a, a doctrine of strategic rivalry. And then it does matter who's got access to your data and all the population data and what you, what you might use with that, what, yeah, what you could use that data for. Hmm. So I think, yeah, it's, it is it's really a question of who, which government ultimately has control. And I think the US is saying, yeah, we're happy because we're happy with Facebook collecting the data. Like there might be issues with that, but at least we've got some leverage over Facebook because it's an American company. And I think the China's come in the same way, saying like we're not happy with Facebook coming and collecting all our Chinese citizen data because we don't have control over Facebook. Interesting. So it's the governments are fighting with each other. It's not so much a question of the, the, the companies themselves. It's more about mm. the governments trying to maintain control of their citizens' data that's being released to private companies. I think something else that I read, because Jack Ma, who's the head of Alibaba, and he's the mm. guy that went missing for a while. He just disappeared off the face of the planet. Yeah, no one yeah, knew he where did. he was. He's a billionaire. And it's like no one knows where Jack's gone. But I think, did I read somewhere that they were sort of saying – we're worried about the amount of power that some of these guys have got now if they list, you know, if they run their companies overseas, they can they have all this power. And then they started, he started making noises backwards against the Chinese government and they didn't, they didn't sort of like that either. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting dance China's got with the capitalist class in a way. And, like, you know, I think one of the criticisms that often, often leveled at the US is that, that – the corporations have too much power and ability to influence politics through donations and, you know, influencing the political system. And I think so China, I think, would be looking at that and going like, well, that's not a situation we want to we want to see develop in China. Mm. And so we do you know, need to keep a lid on that. But I don't know. That's that's my personal spin on it. I haven't seen a lot of people talking about that particular angle, but I would, I would be surprised if they weren't worried about it. Yeah. Interesting. Moving on to finish with Iceland, and ever since I paid out the Nordic countries, they've appeared just doing amazing things week after week, and this is exactly the kind of thing I'm talking about. So Iceland have trialled a four-day work week. Believe it or not, Thomas, employees loved it, loved it, loved the idea, thought it was fantastic. Yeah, who would have figured? They didn't want to work more. Yeah. 
Um, but no, apparently the government, they tried a range of professions um, and they moved from the 40-hour... This is a bit that confuses me. All the headlines say they went to a four-day work week. But then you go into the detail and it says they've moved from a 40-hour work week to a 35 or 36-hour work week. So I don't know whether they're more working more in each day. Anyway, apparently they did a four-day work week and it's amazing. I did wonder, though, what that would mean if we were to trial that in Australia. Like, does that mean are people free on Fridays? They're, you know, it would be good. Doing mm. overtime on Fridays, going out for long lunches at time and a half. That would be... <laughs> <laughs> Claim overtime for Fridays. Yeah, right. <laughs> Do you reckon that could ever work here? Oh, I, think, I think it could work anywhere. I mean... It's, it's worth remembering that we've been trying to, we, we're constantly trying to dial back the work week. Hmm. You know, like the idea of a, a five-day work week was once seen as a bit radical. Having both Saturday and Sunday off was a radical idea. Having a 40-hour work week where it was just like everyone just worked 40 hours hmm. was a radical idea at some point. Yeah, we've been trying to sort of keep a lid on that. And there's there's a few sort of reasons for that. One, it's sort of a lifestyle thing. It's sort of It's a pretty radical idea for most people finishing uni, I reckon. <laughs> it's like, or school, coming out of school or uni, just going, what? 40 hours every week. <laughs> for the rest of my life? For the rest of my life? Are you serious? I start at when? AM. <laughs> AM. <laughs> It's ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's yeah, it's, it works. It's a, there's a sort of a competitive arms race element in it. So partly it's about it's sort of the story is it's like, oh, it's the evil employers who want everyone to work really long hours, rah, 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 and mm. we've got to push back against that. And that's part of the story. But it's just as much a part of the story is we kind of need to de-escalate the arms race as people working because you know if you're in a group and someone's you work everyone's working 40 hours and then one guy starts working 50 or 60 hours mm. that guy suddenly gets a lot of economic advantages he's got more money he can do more stuff and you're like oh, i need to i need to start working 50 hours too and then suddenly you sort of create this sort of arms race where everyone just to sort of feels like to get ahead they need to work longer hours but then that becomes the norm and you everyone's just working longer hours and and you're exactly where you were so, sort of an idea, if you can sort of somehow convince everyone at the same time to work less, you can de-escalate that arms race and you can work less and not suffer economically. Like at the moment, if I, if I was to go from my 22-hour work week down to a 16-hour <laughs> work week, I, yeah. I'd get less if you, money. If you were, if you, <laughs> um, but, you know, like a, working less means less money for me, which means that I've got, I've got less economic power in 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 the economy we've got Hmm. Uh, and so like i've got to accept the consequences of that but if everyone steps down their work week then we then there's no no loss of economic power and i've freed up a whole bunch of free time and so this is sort of an idea uh, you know of course the nordic countries are into this they're all about lifestyle and happiness and all that sort of business (laughs) (laughs) yeah they're, they're trying to they're trying to create an experiment where the government leads the way and and helps that de-escalation happen and winds people down. And there's kind of a product, like there's kind of a need to it too because we're a bit labour abundant. Like we're, you know, automation's kicking in, you know, people are worried about there being enough jobs for people in the in the AI, in the robot age. So if we can sort of figure, find ways for everyone to work less, that's a good thing. Mm. Take like, take granddad, for example, take, take grandpa Kylie. Mm. 
so between him and us you know like the technological leaps and like the advances that have happened in that hundred years has been mammoth Mm. and yet we are working as many hours as he was if not more pretty hard worker though i'm not sure i'm working as much as he did yeah no yeah (laughs) he did real work (laughs) (laughs) not this business (laughs) but yeah but like so all of that technological advancement you know a hundred years ago people worried about once once we saw where the industrial revolution was going people are worried well what what is it what's everyone going to do we're going to run out of things for people to do we're going to have so much leisure time it's we're not going to know what to do with ourselves but we Mm. don't have so much leisure we don't have any more leisure time than our grandparents did and because it's sort of all gone into this sort of arms race concept. Yeah, I remember like growing up and like mum would go to the post office, she'd go to the bank, she'd go to all these places. I, I cannot fathom when she did that. <laughs> like I just imagine my life now if I also had to go to the bank and I had uh. to go to the post office and I had to go somewhere to pay a bill like it's all moved online it's all internet bank it's all everything yeah stand in queue to pay your electricity can you imagine yeah like what's replaced that are we more productive is that what it is like are we just sort of working mm. more and that people are like um i mean no one's no one's ever accused me of being too productive i don't think <laughs> <laughs> well i think iceland said that the, one of the things that they did they tried to get more efficient about their work you know, they, they stopped having like so many meetings and, and tried to, to just get things done via chat or, or email, which I don't know that that's ever been more efficient for anyone either, having a, mm. having a, a Teams chat rather than, <laughs> rather than a meeting. I'm not sure that's particularly efficient. I don't, you know, some people treat meetings like it's, a, um, like it's a massage booking or something. They're like, well, I've paid for the hour. <laughs> We're going to have this. I've booked an hour for the meeting. We're going to have an hour, damn it. <laughs> and biscuits are ordered. Yeah, <laughs> it's like we finished. It's it took twenty minutes. We can all just go back and keep working. No, no, we've got we've got the hour. We might as well find some other things to talk about. Mm. There was an, an element of that, but presumably it all has to be driven, as you say, by the government. So because that's probably keys off. If the government says, "All right, every government worker mm. now is going to do four days a week," then that puts pressure on every other private industry yeah that's right that's typically yeah like i think france was experimenting with this a while ago Mm. yeah it's the only way to sort of get some sort of collective action particularly you know now union memberships down to something like 10 percent. so it's not unions don't have enough leverage to be able to drive it anymore i don't think where does it come from just we've got to march (laughs) how do we get this up how do we we get what do we do get taken to the streets well it's it's a it's a it's a classic prisoner's dilemma you know, like so this is an idea in game in game theory. Prisoners dilemma, but it's like there's an incentive to cheat. So if everyone says, like you know, we put out a call, everyone says, okay, we're going to work 30 hours a week. Everyone's like, great, we're all on board. And then you're like, hang on, if I work 40 hours a week, I'm going to have more money than everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So that that's so there's an incentive to cheat, and then in the absence of like some kind of controls, then you have cheaters, and then you end up back at 40 hours a week. Right. I don't know how the employers are going to take it either if everyone just suddenly woke up tomorrow and said, we're going to work 30 hours a week. I think a lot of people might be out of work for more than 30 hours a week. (laughs) Uh, Interesting. All right, well, fingers crossed for a four-day working week. That'll be good. Um, If you do want to get on board, send us an email, cve at equitymates.com or equitymates.com forward slash cve. Let's start a movement. (laughs) 
All right, that does us for this week on Comedian vs. Economist. We do thank you very much for listening, tuning in, um, and we look forward to talking to you again next week. See you then. Comedian vs. Economist is a product of Equity Mates Media. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal, or tax advice. The hosts of Comedian vs. Economist are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equitymates website where you can find ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media and the hosts of Comedian vs. Economist acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. The secret to summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil, clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Its signature scent of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com.